for coming, guys. Yeah, man. Nice to hang out. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Too early for uh, Baruski. It's coffee and electrolytes. I'm excited about these electrolytes. Baruski's later. Going to be so hydrated. Did you... Uh, Do you like shotgunning beers, Cam? Uh, in my past. Have you seen I, him shotgun a beer? <laughs> no. I have not seen him shotgun a beer yet. Not. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, you know what that is, Cam? Have you? I used to be really good at it. Yeah. yeah. In university, but... Uh, You're a, a rower, right? Yeah, that's right. Those yeah. days are... I was part of par for the course back then. Yeah. Um, but those days are behind me now. Huh. Now it's like health, longevity, all that kind of stuff. I was in the ice bath. Uh, I know you're into the sauna thing too. Yeah. How about you? Are you sauna today? Not today. I go like three, four days a week. Yeah. 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 Today I did two rounds, hot and then into the ice bath and then hot again and then into the pure cold shower. Nice. That's yeah, pretty good. Nice way to start the day. It's amazing. Yeah. I find it helps with my sleep quite a bit. Like yeah. any day that I sauna, I sleep like a baby. I sauna it also last night, but at night I don't cold plunge because it's too energized. So I just take a warm shower after. And then that feeling of your body, like when it cools itself, um, that's actually closely associated with sleep. Like when you, when you go to sleep at night, your body chills itself. Yeah. In fact, I've got a mattress called eight sleep. Okay. And it's uh, a liquid filled mattress. So it, uh, it has this, it measures your heart rate and your breath rate and all that kind of stuff that, you know, a lot of these devices do. And I don't wear any of that stuff in my body, but, um, but the bed does it and, uh, it adjusts temperature to like, you know, when I'm going into deep sleep, it'll oh. drop it like minus two, minus three degrees to pull my body temperature down that much. It keeps you in deep sleep longer and, and I wake up without a certain ordinary alarm. So like I, it was set for 6am. So at 5.30am, it actually starts cranking up the temperature, <laughs> which is weird. Cause you think if you, if it cranked up the temperature that you would just fall like deeper asleep. It's so cozy, right? Yeah. Huh. The reality is it cranks it up three, four, five degrees and you wake up very sort of gradually and naturally because it's like, like, I don't know, it's, it seems counterintuitive, but the increasing temperature is like, like, yeah. let's go, let's crush this day. Sounds like waterbed 2.0. Yeah, it is. I've <laughs> thought of that because I had a waterbed as a kid and, and uh, I thought it was super cool. And then of course they all disappeared. Yeah. And then I, you know, got into this idea and then tried it and bought it and it's, it's not an entire water bed. It's just the top topper on the mattress, uh, but it's pretty similar, man. And obviously the temperature control is like, I remember the water bed days. It was like if the heater broke or something, it was just like freezing cold. But yeah. in the winter, it was like so cozy. Yeah. You, know, you turn that thing up a little bit. It would take a day to change the temperature, but it was pretty nice. It's retro. I wonder if it'll ever make a comeback. A water bed? Yeah. Huh. Well, it sounds like that age sleep is getting there it's yeah close yeah hey, do, do you find that uh like your total quality sleep got way better now that you have that i love it yeah yeah cool. totally i'm actually thinking about getting it for my kids but it seems like <sighs> seems like a bit of a splurge like the kids really need it that kind of yeah. thing it's not cheap yeah um but i'm considering it because i think it's awesome and yeah. i would always yeah. want to have it it does seem like kids are just naturally amazing sleepers yeah it? like they yeah. can fall asleep in like i read a book and it talked about how the older you get, the quality of your sleep yeah. decreases. So as a kid, yes. I think you can probably sleep on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Get a solid round in. But at the same time, like sleep is so important. So like, where are you going to put your money? Yeah. You know, yeah. you spend so such a huge part of your day every day and your entire life. If you add it up sleeping, like 
think it's worth throwing a little money at. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I used to sleep in my front a lot and I had like neck problems and then I just made the correlation one day and then said, I was just not going to do that. I'm only going to sleep on my back or my side. And like, I'm talking like a lifetime of neck problems went away just for that one change. Yeah. I had had a similar experience to that where I slept on my, my front for ages and then I just started getting huge migraines until I stopped sleeping on my, my front and then kind of fixed. Yeah. The migraines all went away. And then, then I started snoring and got married. And then uh, <laughs> right now, now I'm only able to sleep on my side. So Because you don't snore. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's the trouble of sleeping on your back. Yeah. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's not sexy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the best for your back. Yeah, it's great. It's yeah. good. So whatever, snore away. So what's happening? What's new? I love Bucket List, man. I'm so excited to talk to you guys about it. I want more people to know about it. Thanks, man. It's yeah, become thank you. like I've I've been, you know, close to it ever since you really started it. You mm-hmm. know, it was uh, like a uh, a test project, maybe our company. So many. Yeah. How many years ago was that? Oh man, 10? that was uh, 2017 ish. Oh, ish. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, and it was uh, even then in its early stage. It was super cool, and the idea is just gold. Yeah, but the previous version of that website, probably in 2012. Well, yeah, yeah. So that business has gone a little bit of a change over the years. So we since have to we used it. Um, probably don't remember when that it, was. Uh, you guys were, <clears throat> you guys would have been on the super early beta, which is a, fa- a fancy way of saying like the version one. I think so. You were the guinea pigs. Yeah. You guys were the guinea pigs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. No Thank problem. you for being the guinea pigs. We had pigs. a great experience and I think yeah. you gave us the guinea pig rate even and it was, yeah, it was a good experience all around. I ended up uh, skydiving with one of my yeah. one of the members of our customer care team who was like the quietest person in the company yeah. who i probably never shared a meal or even coffee with yeah. and uh and yet this this quiet this quiet person was just super excited about the opportunity to go skydiving so we spent the day together and did that and it was it was amazing um so I can't wait for people to find out about what it is because it's all about culture and team building and it has never been more important than it is now. You know, the, uh, the effect of the pandemic on, on teams and, and remote work and culture and all that type of stuff, it's profound. And I think mm-hmm. we are just still figuring it out and bucket list is, um, a big part of that. But before we get there, um, you guys are interesting. I mean, you are, uh, you are a very solid couple. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Really, yeah. <laughs> How long has it been you've been working together? Uh, probably about 25 years. We probably started in 1997. About that, yeah. Yeah. So Jason and I, we went to the same high school, Centennial and Coquitlam, but we didn't know each other in high school. Big school, 2,000 kids. But where we met was... Uh, we got jobs at the Coquitlam School District picking weeds from the garden beds around the schools. And so we would sit there picking weeds for eight hours a day during the summer. Great job. We had great tans. <laughs> Back tans. Back tans, yeah. <laughs> Shirts were highly optional at that, at that job. And um, yeah, we were in university and um, a lot more to talk about than picking weeds. And at the time... 
a lot of this was right around the dot com craze of the late nineties. And it seemed like, you know, a lot of companies, people would be starting companies, doing IPOs and doing all these wild things, which I don't think I understood at the time. But long story short, Jason and I were like, well, fuck, let's do something together. And that's how it all started. Nice. So, um, and what was the first thing? <laughs> the, the first thing I was, uh, I had a, a co-op job with the ministry of forests there wildfire fighting branch is based out of Victoria. It was a cool job. I did all the PR and communications and it's a neat division. Like they, they help manage all the wildfires around BC. And as a side project there, this guy, Sean asked me to create like a promo video, uh, for the branch. And, uh, I wasn't able to get it done in my co-op term. And so at the end of the project, I was like, Hey, Sean, can you pay me like as a contractor to finish this, this gig off? And he's like, absolutely. And, uh, I, I approached Bart. I'm like, Hey dude, this guy's going to pay us to create this. It was, we were using this technology called flash. It was to create this multimedia video. I'm like, so the ministry of forest wants to pay to finish this project off. I'm like, do you want to create a, start a business together? We can, we can create like really cool presentations and animations. And, uh, that was kind of the, the start of it all. Uh, and that company was uh, called Tidal multimedia. And, uh, it was, it was awesome. Like the, the, the early days, uh, were, were challenging because we had like no money, we had no network and no experience. So we're like, we're, we're figuring everything out by, uh, from scratch. And additionally, there, there wasn't really a big market for multimedia presentations. Do you remember we're trying to pitch those? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we grinded it out for, I don't know, like six, seven years. And we, we did a, our first big pivot from presentations to website design, uh, kind of after maybe year two or so. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that, that really started getting traction and things started scaling up. And, uh, to, we grew that business till about 2012. And by the end of it, it was really cool. We'd scaled the team to about 15 people. We were developing like large web applications. We we're doing like these 20,000 page websites for, for like think tanks. We we're doing work for Gatorade and, uh, uh developing like these large community platforms, like Mount for mountain equipment co-op. Uh, and basically like we learned how to build applications and technologies. And by the end, Bart and I had, uh, been thinking a lot about, uh, building our own products. So instead of getting paid as professional services, like let's switch gears and, and maybe build our own products. And that kind of in that journey that led to the second company, which was advisor websites. Yeah. But little, uh, knowledge, Jason's mom came up with the name title. She did. Yeah, <laughs> she did. Yeah. It was cute. So Jason's mom named her first business. <laughs> was awesome. Are you saying title, like, like title, like the ocean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. yeah. It was funny because the, the business got bought. And, uh, it was right around the time that Jay-Z had launched his, uh, streaming service title.com. And, uh, I wish we had held on to the domain name with title.ca because I think we could have made a killing just off of the sale, <laughs> of, that, the sale of that. So yeah, oh, boy, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. So then advisor, what, what, what advisor do? Yeah. So it was interesting because when we're building websites, uh, when we first started building websites, we would build a website for anybody like in the beginning. Right. So. Um, one of the first clients that we had was a financial advisor that we went to university with and he was like, Hey man, I need a website. We're like, of course we'll build you a website. We can do this. And what did people pay back then to have a website built? Oh, as little as possible. Well, you know, so we had like early on, we didn't know how to price things. So we had this very unique system. It was called the ABS 
no APS, APS yeah. arbitrary pricing system. So how much money do you have for a website? We'll build it for that. <laughs> <laughs> like we didn't, we didn't really have an office. We yeah. didn't have employees to start off with. So we're just trying to get experience. So whatever, you know, we, we were just trying to get experience. Um, so not a lot to answer your question. And, um, but we ended up building our first financial advisors website. And the interesting thing about websites in the financial services industry, they need to go through this compliance process. So they're approved and rubber stamped by head office so that the advisor doesn't get in trouble. And it, it's quite a complicated process for the advisor there. They just want to be running their business and, you know, selling products and life insurance and building out their, their, their book. And, uh, when we launched the first website, we had other advisors coming to us saying, Hey, can you build me a website? And then another one, can you build me a website? So over time, a number of these advisors would come to us because they knew we had figured out at least a very rudimentary compliance process. And we took a step back. And so at the time we were charging, I think it was $800 to build a website. Yeah. We charged a little bit of a setup fee. And I remember yeah. there was a key moment where we got invited to pitch to a larger audience of about 25 advisors at once. And we kind of came up with this idea of like, instead of charging a high setup fee, what if, what if we charged a, a monthly recurring fee for hosting and all those other things? And at the time it was really novel, like not many, many people are charging a monthly fee. Yeah. And so we had to come up with uh, a monthly fee. And do you remember how we- A hundred percent do. Yeah. It was $62 a month. And you tell them how well, yeah, it that number. We're like, well, how much do we charge? And we're like, wow, like how much do you charge pay for a cell phone plan? And we're like, oh, six, 60, 65 bucks a month. So we're like, let's just charge that. And so that uh, $60 <laughs> a month became our pricing for like the next five years. Yeah. And uh, that's that, how we stumbled onto SaaS. Yeah, software as a service. And that, that, uh, that company scaled, started scaling really swiftly like once we figured it out. Yeah, what was interesting was that... Um, the recurring revenue was way better than this feast or famine of traditional professional services. So we made the decision to exit out of title and redeploy those resources into advisor websites and build a formal product, build a team and build an organization, which, you know, it, it was a great journey. Like we learned a ton in that, in that process. And you went that way because the recurring revenue was so much better in what way? There, more well, obviously more steady yeah and also just building a product there's a whole bunch of things that were unique and I, from my take better we had a, a really defined product that was fast and easy to set up so you could once you have one website uh set up you could set up another one in just a matter of minutes and also the target market was really narrow because we sold to financial advisors and they have like they typically have some we have a it was much easier to target financial advisors than selling large enterprise uh, sort of class uh, websites. So it's easier to scale. The uh, cash flow is way better and way more predictable. Um, and also it was, it, it was easier to uh, to scale once you have a product and target market to find. You can start building on new features that you could then resell to your current clients. So my, my two cents, it just becomes way easier uh, once you have product market fit to scale up than professional services. So was your product, was it a CMS? Was it basically a, a template? And yeah, different images and words. Yeah. yeah. It was like WordPress for financial advisors yeah. or Shopify for financial advisors. Yeah. 
And then the other cool thing is like uh, in the fin services, uh, once you, they have these broker dealers that you can sell into. And once they get to know you, it becomes a lot easier. They'll start promoting you to their financial advisors. So uh, we're able to kind of do a, a bit of an enterprise sale to the head office and then sell through to all the advisors. And uh, we had a lot of success with Freedom 55, Great West Life. And then, uh, do you remember scaling to the United States? Yes. That was like a very random slash interesting yeah. process. We used to get calls. Um, we end, uh, During that process, we ended up getting the domain name advisorwebsites.com. So we put our business on there. And we used to get calls once in a while from the U.S. And the U.S. has a different compliance process. And the question would usually be, hey, do you do websites in the U.S.? And, you know, the answer was no, we're focused in Canada. And then for whatever reason, one time, you know, we got one of these calls and I answered it. And the guy's like, do you do websites in the U.S.? And I was like, uh, yes, yes, we do. <laughs> and then so we started talking. I'm like, well, listen, like I said, yes, we do. But I actually haven't done a website in the in the U.S. And I remember his name was Greg and he ended up actually being a top performing RIA out of the, the California. And he was like, I've never had a Canadian disappoint me. So I will help you get into the U.S. <laughs> and you build us a good website. And so... That's how we expanded into the U.S. That's cool. It's just a matter of figuring out the regulation differences and yeah. the rest is kind of the same. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, the market size down there is huge. And uh, also in my experience, they tend to move faster as well. Like, so it was cool. Like we, we got Greg on board and then very quickly it started scaling the, the platform and customer base started scaling really swiftly down to the U.S. as well. So yeah, that's how, that's how we did uh, international expansion. Yep. So <laughs> And then he sold it? Yep. Got an exit. Nice. Awesome. How's that been? Uh, it's been interesting because, you know, like uh, you had asked about what's different about advisor websites versus title. It was something new, right? Because we were doing title for a really long time uh, and then your heart's just not in it anymore. Uh, I felt like that was starting to happen with advisor websites uh, as well. Uh, and an opportunity came up to transition out of that business, uh, and then double down on the bucket list business. So we just kind of, we did that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's where your passion was. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. So, uh, tell me about bucket list. How did, how, where did the idea come from? What's oh, the origin story? Man. So we, we've always, Bart and I have always been really passionate about doing, having cool life experiences and being big bucket list guys, like going surfing, going skydiving, backcountry skiing, all that sort of stuff. And uh, after it's funny, we um, we sold the first company title and for like a week, we're like, okay, we finally can focus on just one company because there's a, a bunch of overlap between the first and second company and it's hard sometimes managing two businesses. It's very distracting. So we sell the first company. We're like, okay, we're all in on the second company. We finally get to get super focused. And then like in week two or three, uh, Bar and I are chatting about this new idea of like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if there's a place to create a bucket list, if there's a website to create bucket lists. And we found somebody who, who had this web platform. It looked, it wasn't like the prettiest website, but he had uh, about 30,000 members on it. And uh, we decided to make an offer to buy it and <laughs> start a second business again. Um, and that process was pretty funny because uh, it all started off with a, a random call to- Yeah, we're looking at Scott. this website called bucketlist.org and we're like at first we're a little deflated i'm like ah damn somebody took our idea and i remember going on the who is who owns this domain name and this scott comes up and then there's his phone number 
And like, I picked up the phone, I dialed the number and he's like, hello. I'm like, Hey, my name is Bart. I'm from Canada. I want to buy your website. <laughs> His response is like, such a bad time, dude. I'm dropping off my, my kids at school. So I'm like, I'll call you back. So long story short, we ended up going down to Berkeley, California, meeting with him. Incredible guy. I think he had a really cool vision for that product. Uh, but he kind of built it in his garage and, you know, we really enjoyed dealing with him. It was, it was a great way to get into the bucket list business by acquiring this website from him. Yeah. Nice. And, uh, that initial, uh, acquisition, we, when we got the website, it had about 30,000 users. We kind of redesigned it, relaunched it. And, uh, it was, it was super cool. The concept was neat. Like the, the intent was people could come to the website on their phone or desktop. They could create their own bucket lists. What made it really, uh, special is that you could browse other people's bucket lists and you can copy ideas from their list to yours. And, uh, people are always looking for inspiration and ideas for others. And so that was what kind of made it go a little bit viral, but it scaled from about, uh, 30,000 users, uh, to over 900,000 users. And uh, it was funny because in the early days, uh, that movie, The Social Network about Facebook had just been released. And like we had a lot, we had some of the same parallels, like in that movie, they talk about their journey to a million users and we're on this journey to a million users. And uh, I remember my wife asking, like, how's the, the new business going? I'm like, oh, it's going fantastic, right? Like, we're going to be the next bucket list. Uh, but we, we were certainly not the next bucket list because what we were struggling to do is figuring out the, the monetization of this, this version 1.0 concept. And uh, it, it's, it was a really cool concept. Lots of people love to sign up for it. But as it turns out, a lot of people aren't very good at actually achieving life goals like quitting smoking, losing weight, running a marathon. Those are hard things to do. So we got a really great user adoption, uh, but then the churn was really high. So people would join the site and then leave, you know, three weeks later and may, may or may never come back again. Um, so we ran that version 1.0 for about uh, three to four years, trying to figure out different business models. Um, and by business models, we wanted to look for ways to monetize the platform. Um, and what was really interesting is we, we started getting these inbound calls from businesses and they'd be like, Hey, listen, like we, we want to use our platform to reward our employees. Like there's such cool ideas there. And uh, the first like three, four or five phone calls, I was like, no, no, like that's not what we do. We're this, we're a consumer facing application. Um, but by about the, the 10th call, we're like, okay, let's investigate this a little bit more. And, uh, we ended up building out a whole new, like uh, beta, which became an employer rewards and recognition platform. And one of the, the first customers we rolled out with was one uh, or got junk. And of course we rolled out the platform there. They, uh, they used it for their 101 life goals program, which is pretty darn cool. And uh, a whole bunch of things changed. First of all, we got paid for our, our product, which, <laughs> which is pretty damn nice. Um, also it turned out to be pretty darn sticky. Like, uh, and then lastly, it delivered a lot of happiness and delight. Like it lifted people up. It made them, made them much happier. Um, and then it wasn't too long after that, that we, we realized that this, this whole world of employee rewards and recognition is like this really special and amazing marketplace. There's over $90 billion spent on rewards and recognition in the U S each year. So it's, and it's scaling uh, up significantly and quickly over time. Um, so we tapped into this huge market and, uh, that kind of, that kind of kicked off the whole bucket list journey, which led to where we are today. Yeah, it's amazing. It's like I was saying before, it's just so important now. Yeah. Uh, cult yeah. People are, leaders are understanding how important culture is. And as, as people are more geographically diversified or working remotely or whatever, it's uh, it's more important than ever. Yeah. And as the pandemic had that kind of effect on your business that I would expect, 
Yeah, there, there was, uh, it was interesting because we had just gotten product market fit as the pandemic hit and we're a team of about five people at the time. And, uh, like we just figured out like our go to market motion, like how to get predictably get new car, uh, customers in. And then the pandemic hits and everything flatlines for an entire quarter. And I was like, no, like we just, we just unlocked this. But then after the first quarter, for all the reasons you just said, like CEOs are like, my, my employees are working from home. My cult, I'm losing my culture. I'm losing my secret sauce. And then our, our phones started blowing up and uh, the leads started coming in faster than ever before because our, our product fundamentally helps companies build strong mission, vision, and values inside their organizations. And uh, it's also an awesome tool for uh, uh, to support remote and distributed teams. And so after that first quarter, we saw some of our fastest growth after that time period, because we're able to, we're, we're able to help companies build great cultures and retain and, and, uh, excite and engage staff. So it, it ended up, uh, being a really fantastic growth, uh, growth period for us. Yeah. Just, we feel really lucky because I, I know not all businesses had that, had the same experience. So. Oh, totally. It's, it's, I remember one of the things I remember most about it, it makes it easy for people on a team to recognize other people on the team. It's yeah. not all about the yeah. boss recognizing people. Totally. Yeah. yeah. How does that work? So, uh, like the, the, the premise of rewards and recognition or our platform anyways, is there's this whole idea of peer to peer recognition, which is I think what you're referring to. And that's just the idea where one employee can recognize another employee for doing a good job. Uh, our, our platform, it's a digital platform. It looks a lot like an Instagram or Facebook and people can log in, say thank you to one another. They can attach a core value to it. They can write like thoughtful little stories and even upload images and whatnot. And uh, staff can earn points for that. And then uh, cash those points out for anything between like a, a gift card to to going heli skiing or racing supercars up and down the Sea to Sky Highway. So um yeah, the peer-to-peer recognition is is a really awesome way to keep people engaged and excited about work. No doubt, and the and that's so nice. That's culture building for sure. Being recognized by your peers, it it means a lot. Um, but also the experiences that they might have together if they're doing things together as part of it and builds relationships. But it's not all about heli skiing and and uh, skydiving. There's um, there's a whole range, right? Like there's, is, is, what are some of the sort of like more normal stuff that for yeah. non-adventure seekers? There's uh what I found awesome is kind of like some of the thoughtful and very company specific type of rewards that I've seen kind of pop up on the platform. So for example, um, there's this one where you can, uh, your manager can bring you coffee for the week. Do they deliver it to your desk, which is just like a thoughtful little gesture there's another one where you can uh, get the CEO to call your mom. And that was a, one of the, our customers ideas, not ours. And for a lot of people that really matters, right? Like having the boss call your mom with yeah. a, a nice mes- message saying what a, an awesome person you are. It can be things like swag um, and healthcare, like taking good care of people who um, maybe giving them the day off, sending them to the spa is really meaningful. Um, we worked with this one organization in the States called Vulcan and uh, they, they, they were, really thoughtful about taking care of both the employee and their significant others. So, you know, you hit your five years of service anniversary and you could, you could choose to go to a Seahawks game with like your, your partner or maybe your kids, or maybe you wanted to give to a charity. You could do that as well. Or maybe it's to go whale watching. It's whatever is really important to the individual. And, uh, I think at the end of the day, like what I, what I found incredibly powerful is like, if you can take care of the employee and their partner, like that's how you, that's how, 
you create a really powerful employer brand because th- those stories get told and retold outside of the workplace and they're, they're really positive and thoughtful and lovely stories as well. So uh, experiences are a great way to both reward people and build a really powerful uh, company brand. Oh, no, that partner part is a big one. And and how does that manifest? You know, like uh, here the reward is a dinner out with your partner or what are the more common things that part- they do with partners? Uh, so the, the partnership one's neat that that was kind of unique to that one company Vulcan, but it's a, uh, just a good strategy overall for, for any business owner out there looking for inspiration. If you want to find out how to reward your employees, you should just ask them. I need like, you can run a quick survey on survey monkey. You can just ask them face to face. Uh, it doesn't have to be a complicated process. And once you capture that, I'd encourage people to write it down. Uh, just like, for example, our, our director of demand generation, Olga, I just asked her one day, like, like, what do you love? And she's like, I love glazed donuts. I'm like, I'm like, no, no, no. Like, what do you like really love? Like, what's your bucket list? She's like, honestly, I just love glazed donuts. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, all right, let's rock and roll. And I, I've never forgotten that. Yeah. So. And everybody's different. I, um, yeah. I, I remember when I screwed up the recognition piece early on at, uh, at advisor websites, I remember we were small maybe about 21 people or so. And we had this goal and I'm like, if we reach this goal, we're going to do something really cool. And my idea of cool was like, we reached this goal. We're all going to go on a boat cruise. And I was so excited for it. I, and I so was excited too. Jason was, me and Jason was, were super excited. Like, that sounds we're awesome. We're going on a boat cruise. <laughs> yeah. And so we hit this goal and, you know, we get this boat cruise organized and, you know, we're having an awesome time. But I remember this one moment at a beer in my hand, and I looked up, big smile on my face, and I had this realization. I'm like, a third of these people on this boat are loving life. This is pretty awesome. Then like a third of these people on the boat are pretty indifferent to this experience right now. And then the remaining third, they would rather be somewhere else. And <laughs> right there and then I was like, everybody's rewarded recognition is different. Like people are different. So yeah. uh, that was a pretty good realization for me. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a good share. You know, we, uh, we had such a good experience. I don't remember why we went away from it. You know what we do now? Um, nothing very organized, you know, it's, it's often leaders have the best of intentions and try to treat people well. And, you know, there's always something organized. We have a culture committee and they have a kind of a plan for the year, but, uh, I love the, the sort of structure and flexibility that, that your platform creates. Like one thing that, that comes to mind that we do broadly is for every square foot of real estate that we sell, we reforest one square foot in nature. It's awesome. Yeah, nice. I think so. I love yeah. it. I don't yeah. know yeah. if anyone else cares, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody talks about it. Um, you know, we, we might put it and mention a proposal. I don't know if a potential yeah. client cares or not. Yeah. I think it's super cool for a buyer to know that when they buy an 800 square foot condo, that there's 800 square feet of forest out there that's been, mm. you know, uh, reforested, rejuvenated. Are you planting the trees or? No, no. There's a company called Veritree that oh. makes all so that happen. I was going to ask you to go tree yeah. planting one time. It's actually a super cool company. Yeah. They, uh, well, you know about that? You know about tree planting? No, but I would like to do It's on my bucket list. Yeah, tree yeah. planting with Cam Good. Yeah. Can I, can I come? <laughs> yeah. Me, Jason and Cam go planting some trees. Veritree super cool. And they have, uh, they use blockchain to actually track the forest yeah. that's being restored. So it can be rewarding for people. They can actually kind of see it or know exactly where it is and whatnot. That makes it measurable and to make sure it actually happens. They don't just send money off to some company that, you know, takes a bunch of baby trees and drops them off a cliff. Like it's actually happening. It's mm, awesome. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. 
but what you're doing is super cool too. So what are your, like, it's been such a long journey and, and now you're doing this super cool rocket ship of a company at the right time. And, and you got this nice tailwind, but it couldn't have been smooth the whole time. And you have a 25 year partnership. Um, what are some of the things you've learned along the way about that you could share about, uh, maybe looking back on, you know, bumps in the road and, and tough times, how, what are lessons you could share about how to make partnerships work? No, it's been perfectly smooth, Cam. For the last <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Sorry to bring uh, it up. Yeah. It's so awkward now. No, it's, I, I, this probably, it's a great question, man. Uh, I really, cause I'm like in my head, I'm like, well, which time are you talking about? And it's just like the list goes on and on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not easy. Uh, and there's not a silver bullet in it either. Right. So, but there is a few things that I think we did that were pretty good. Like, uh, and I'll just speak to some of them, but it's just scratching the surface in my opinion. But, um, there was times in our relationship where Jason and I defined sort of core values as a partnership. Here's kind of what we're working towards. Um, and we would discuss them. We talk them about, about them on a regular basis. Uh, there's been many times where we would have a regular cadence of a partnership meeting. So like, Hey, here's what we're doing, how we're feeling about things. And, you know, sometimes these are tacticals, but man, there's been many, many meetings where it's just like, fuck, we're talking about our feelings and things that are happening in our lives and, you know, doing some good old blame storming sessions or why you're doing things wrong. And it's just, we're all human beings fumbling our way through life. And it's, uh, it's a deep, deep question. Yeah. The, I, no, I think, I think it's a good question. And your answer is, uh, right on track, Bart, like talking about the, when you're mentioning the, the shared core values, I think when we started doing that, the big takeaway was, is that there's a, there's the business, but there's also like a, a bigger vision that you and I were aligned around uh, above and beyond the business. As soon as we had that, like we could lean on those values to help, uh, sort out disagreements. Um, and then also you're right, like that weekly partnership meeting, like, <laughs> I think, I think what that became helpful for and we're still working on maybe to this day is uh, like learning how to deliver feedback to one another. Um, and also like, like, cause, cause things may not be working in or you might need to try to change something or to share feelings thoughtfully and honestly. And uh, I think that's been like kind of a safe forum to do that over the years. Uh, like Cam up on your shelf, your bookshelf, you have that book, the hard thing about hard things. I think one of the most important things people can do, whether in your business partnership or a marriage is just like speak your truth and ideally speak it with compassion. Right. So like, cause sometimes things aren't going well and you need to talk about something that needs to be fixed. And maybe, maybe it's an issue I brought up that I have to fix, or maybe I need Bart's help fixing. So I, I think, yeah, the values that weekly partnership meeting has been super, super helpful. Yeah. So, and like, I, I think we've been pretty good about not being scared to try things. Like Jason and I, you know, we spend a lot of time together outside of work. We're both yeah. skiers and yeah. it's a different environment. But like, I remember there was one time I'm like, fuck, we're not getting along. We need to go see a therapist. Right. And so like, kudos to Jason. Cause you know, I could see you didn't want to go. And uh, he's like, fuck, <laughs> not at all. I was like, I was like yeah, this, this person's going to fix everything. So we went to this, we went, to, well, it was good. Cause we went to this session and, you know, talked about our feelings and we're like, you know what? I think we can figure it out without the therapist. So, <laughs> yeah. but you know, just the, just his openness to try that kind of approach was kind of 
I don't, you know what's been super cool to you though, like talking about that therapist is horrible. <laughs> I don't think the therapist is horrible. I just no, think no. it was for us. Agreed. Like Agreed. where we are. Anyways. But to, to your your first point though, man, I think uh what I came to realize early on is that the friendship was kind of like the bedrocker foundation and the business is stood on top of that, not the other way around. And uh like I've like I think I don't know about you, but I put our friendship first a ton of times. But uh, like I'm better better off for it. I'm happier for it. So yeah, it's like here, little man. Yeah, man. Yeah. Afterwards, <laughs> one of the one of the most special things is, uh, I think I told my wife this that uh, when I'm 80, I'm looking forward to like sitting on a, a balcony with Bart and crushing a scotch or having a beer. So yeah, that's yeah. what I'm looking forward to. Likewise, that's a good feeling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can see the emotion in your face. Whatever, Matt. <laughs> You're not crying. Yeah. <laughs> You're. Crying. No, I know that, uh, I know that feeling and, uh, and I, and I feel it, you know, I feel it with, I, I know I'm in, in the right marriage with Lisa because I can't wait to grow old with her. So I know exactly what you're talking mm, about and yeah. this and seeing her as this, you know, cute little old lady. I'm really excited about that. And that's a really nice feeling. That's very settling that you have that in a friendship, uh, that is the foundation for your work together is, is awesome. Yeah. It's been fun. You'll have some stories to tell. Remember when kids listen? Yeah, it's already happening because we got like twenty five years of experience under our belt, and like we'll, we'll go on road trips, like work road trips, and uh, like all the experiences we have and all the funny moments that yeah. that are already popping up. Man, it's it's awesome, man. It's yeah. There's uh, there indeed. You're right, uh, Cam. There's tons of good stories already, and I think there's many, many more good stories to come. So yeah, can I tell you about a funny one? Yeah. So do you remember that sale of title and we're down to the, the nitty gritty at the very end? Uh, okay, so you do that one and I'll do the bank one. Okay, I'll tell you this one. <laughs> so Bart and I are, we, after the sale of our first business, we closed the deal and uh, the person we bought it was a very shrewd negotiator. And uh, there's, some, there's some money that needed to be sorted out and there's some kind of like uh, mopping up, if you will. And the transaction is a decently big value, but some of the mop up sort of came down to what, $10,000 for the stuff. And this is like meeting number seven, emotions are running super hot. And uh, I'm in the room, I'm sitting across the, the board table from the buyer, Bart's like to my left. And uh, we're going back and forth on this 10K. And it's becoming a switch from a logical conversation to an emotional one. Like I had anchored in and I'm like, I'm physically bigger than this dude. I want to kick his ass. <laughs> like it was not, and it was like, my cheeks were getting red. I was sweating and I was like, fuck this. <laughs> and, uh, Bart pipes in. He's like, Hey, why don't you guys do a rock, paper, scissors for the last $10,000? <laughs> like, it, it was awesome. Cause it broke the mood. Like it, yeah. like, the tension evaporated. It, and it was funny as hell. And I, it was, and, and I was like, let's do it. Cause Bart's rock, paper, scissors game is like on fire. Like, I think you would have taken that guy. But. <laughs> it's funny. Cause they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, you know, rock beats, you know, yeah. scissors, scissors, beats, paper. And it just, uh, I'm guessing you didn't actually do it. I wanted no, to like, I, we will, I, regret. I'm like, I wanted to go back and do it again. Cause that would have yeah. been an awesome story. Cause oh, yeah. I remember what happened is like, we'll split it down the middle. Yeah. 5,000 bucks. I was like, ah, rock, paper, scissors. It would have been way, but it was so good. <laughs> it was sort of legendary. So, yeah. Oh, that's funny. What's the bank one? Uh, you know, I think it's about quirks. Like we all have our little quirks. So we, uh, this was the office on house street mm. and, uh, <laughs> so I'm trying to get better at it. I'm trying to keep my workplace a little bit cleaner. 
and uh you know Jason likes a cleaner workplace and I like sometimes my workplace didn't at the time didn't get that clean and uh, we're going to the bank to deposit our hard-earned money in our checks and it's kind of a good mood and going to the bank Jason brings this feedback to me he's like I don't you know you should keep your place a little bit cleaner and I'm like yeah whatever and like <laughs> this was back in the day where you would go to the TD on uh Georgia and Smythe or something like that. And it was like, the lineups were like 200 people like waiting for the teller. And so like, we're having this conversation and it's getting heated. And all of a sudden we're standing in this bank yelling at each other. <laughs> everybody's looking at us and we're fighting over cleanliness of my desk. And then we kind of had a pause and just started yeah. laughing out loud. We're like, this is so fucking funny. Like that's good. People, people are, are wonky little creatures. Oh yeah. That sounds funny. My father-in-law has a partner in his real estate firm, commercial real estate firm who is in the habit over the years of, uh, he was also obsessed with the clean desk and really believed in <laughs> <laughs> And he was an owner of the company. And so if he saw a desk he didn't like, he would walk into the office and put his arm like this horizontal on one end of the desk <laughs> and just wipe everything on the floor and be like, there you go. Yeah, and these, I like the strategy. Yeah, these, these employees and partners would, would just like, some of them would snap and uh, some of them just took it. But my desk is way cleaner these days, and I don't think Jason cares about it as much anymore. No, so no. people change. Yeah. People change. <laughs> you both changed. Yeah. What one other funny story too is uh, I think Bart's really good at uh stunts and uh messing with people. And you're also really good at enrolling others into your stunts. Really? And uh when we were when we were scaling and growing advisor websites, like we're we're deep in the financial services sector, and we met this like really like awesome, prominent, very respected individual. He ran this entire region, like one of the bi biggest regions in, in the West coast of Canada. And we ended up going on a bit of a road show with him, uh, in and around Ontario, which was amazing. Like he actually flew with us to Ontario to help sell our product to other, uh, regions, regions inside of freedom 55. And, uh, we ended up in Niagara Falls one day and we went out for beers and one beer became two, which became like eight or 10 and scotches and stuff. <laughs> I remember I passed out first mistake. Um, and this, this regional director was like. 55, 60 years old. And we we're in our mid twenties. I wake up the next morning and there's Jiffy marker all over my face. <laughs> and I'm like, Bar, what the fuck did you do? And Bar's like, I didn't do any of it. <laughs> and he got this regional director who could have been our grandpa or uncle to draw all over my face. And uh, it was all in good fun. It was. Yeah. And it washed off too. Eventually, eventually. So, yeah. Bar, you want to share, um, your story about kind of growing up and moving to Canada? Yeah, it's, uh, so I'm originally from Poland. I was born in Poland and, uh, I lived in Poland with my parents until 11. Uh, and then my parents decided to immigrate to Canada. So I came to Canada when I was 11 years old and it was an interesting time. It was like the first few months were really hard because I didn't speak English. And I came here during the height of the Polish joke and fuck, I got picked on a lot. So, and I didn't really understand what was going on. Like, I, I don't remember the Polish joke. What was it? Oh, you know, screen door on a submarine and all like Polish invention and all that oh. kind of stuff. So the, I, there was a, yeah, there was a period of about a year when I came in, like that was like, I don't know if I was like bullied, but like it was definitely, I was definitely picked on a little bit. What was, uh, what was going on in Poland? 
that caused that sort of series of jokes to become popular or whatever? I don't know. I, I don't think it was like what was going on in Poland. I just, you know, like back in the day, different types of demographics yeah. would get picked on at different times. Yeah. So like newfie jokes in Canada. Yeah. Maybe. So I like, I came during the height of that. Like that's when I, that was my introduction to Canada. Nice. But <laughs> <Great> place. <laughs> at the same time, like I would say that was a, a minor thing for me, but I would like, I liked Canada and the more I learned English and the more I, um, made friends, fuck, I love the outdoors. I like skiing and I like the ocean. Like it was, Vancouver is one of the best places to live in. Like anytime I travel and I come back to Vancouver, it feels like home and I'm always happy to be back. So, um, yeah, the first, like after the first year was kind of, everything was normal. And then. I felt like I had this great opportunity because I think my parents came here for the great American dream. Like, you know, you'd get to see Western movies and Eastern Europe and whatnot. And I think that's what drove my parents here. And I felt like I was given a really good opportunity to, you know, try to go after it. So, yeah. So a little bit of bullying, but then you started picking weeds and yeah. this guy and yeah, it's all good. <laughs> the rest is history. Yeah. yeah. And here we are. Yeah. I love it. I love it, man. Well, you guys are uh, awesome. I love what you're doing and I'm so excited for you. And, and, uh, what does the future look like? What, what do you have planned for bucket list? What's next? Uh, so where we're at today is actually a pretty exciting spot. Um, and like the, if I was to speak about the core of what bucket list does, we're, we're a rewards and recognition platform and we help companies build a great cultures, you know, increase engagement, lower turnover. Um, but as I look into the future, like we're actually fundamentally a bit of a motivation platform and we're able, we're able to motivate. And when you can motivate behaviors, you can motivate any type of outcome you want. And so I think there's going to be all sorts of cool things we can do in and around uh, like uh, sales incentives, like motivating sales teams to increase revenue. Uh, I think there's all sorts of cool things we could do around uh, loyalty where we can uh, help companies reward their best, best partners and best customers. Like how cool would it be? A lot of organizations will, you know, 80% of the revenue will come from one source. Maybe it's a partner how cool would it be to make that uh, the CEO of that partner company, make their dreams come true, like send them and their wives to a spa or to Hawaii or whatever matters to them. Like, I think there's a, a really cool opportunity for us to grow and help companies solve a bunch more challenges. And, uh, in the medium term, we want to, we have about 300,000 paid users on a platform now, and we want to scale that to about a million. We want to grow internationally. We've already got a bunch of traction in companies like companies, countries like India and elsewhere. So we want to scale internationally. We want to have a much bigger impact in the world. And uh, our mission is to help companies build uh, the world's greatest workplaces. And we really want to deliver on that. Like it feels good when we, when we, help, when we roll out with a company uh, and they see the benefits of our, our products. So we want to see more of that as well. So like we have a pretty big, broad reaching uh, uh, vision for the future from, from my point of view. But Bartman, what about you, man? No, man. I, yeah, I agree. I think uh, this is the third business that Jason and I have been working on. So like every time you do something, you tend to make less mistakes. And it's just really exciting seeing the opportunities that are there. And I think Jason kind of nailed kind of the, the big picture once. So, yeah. I get it. I get the value that you create, you know, in spades, so to speak, right? There's yeah. so much. But how do you capture value? Like, how do you, how do you make money? Because it feels like doesn't feel like a nonprofit, but it's a dot org, right? Oh no, we're we're we we rebranded to bucketlistrewards.com. Oh, date. Yeah, we know it's all good. And we uh we we charge per employee per okay. month. So it's typically sort of between uh typically between two to five dollars per employee per month. I see. And then uh 
yeah, that's that's how, and it's a SaaS software as a service platform, just like we did yeah. advisor websites. Yeah, and are you still, I mean, I am out of date, but are you still sourcing this sort of ideas and activities and gifts and all that kind of stuff? Are you involved on in that side at all? Or are you just in organizing the employees? Uh, both sides, yeah. It's, it's like kind of a two-sided marketplace. So yeah. people accumulate points. And um, I was just looking at a stat. I think we were... Depending upon how you look at it, we see about 20,000 redemptions a month flowing through the platform. Uh, so a bunch of those are dreams coming true. Um, yeah, so we have a, a really large marketplace. People accumulate points, they cash them out in this redeem section, which looks a lot like a, an e-commerce marketplace. And it, they can cash out for anything between like a, a gift card, to a heli skiing trip, for example. So. Yeah, I love it so much, man. So how do people find it more? Obviously the website? bucketlistrewards.com that's it bucketlistrewards.com is there any minimum company size or any sort of parameters around that uh no but we we do normally start working with companies sort of 100 plus employees that's uh been a bit of a sweet spot um 100 to you know 20,000 plus is where we're primarily focused on these days what are some uh some of the brands that people would recognize that you're working with now uh, yeah. So we're working with the uh, RBC bank. We're working with, uh, the NFL, we're working with, uh, the NBA. Um, we're working with a bunch of, uh, financial institutions that some of the markets we've had a ton of success are financial services, uh, tech, and then in the a whole bunch of frontline workers. And that includes like manufacturing, hospitality and restaurants. So, and, and last but not least key marketing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big time. Yeah. Also Zonda, my friends at Zonda, I think you're working with them. Yeah. Yeah. So we listened, that was a great, uh, Jack Myers was, yeah. was talking about, you not even knowing you're from Vancouver, actually, yeah. but just sort of singing the praises of the company. You know, what's cool, Cam. I, I, Bart told me about that. I listened to it. It was a great interview. Like there's nothing like how I can pump our own, t- the company stars all the time, but it's always better hearing from a, a customer. Yeah. I then and went and played it for the, our company for bucket list so they could hear that interview and people were lit up, man. Like yeah. hearing uh, somebody talk about it. So, awesome. Great interview. Yeah. So it's amazing work you're doing. And, and it just, like I said, for, I guess for the third time now, it's just so perfectly timed. Yeah. Thank you. I'm really excited for you guys. Your beauties. Love yeah. it. I love your, uh, relationship. I can see you guys love each other and, uh, our great partnership on your, kind of third times a charm company together and and what you're doing is just awesome awesome thanks Thanks so much man thanks for having us yeah thanks it was fun thanks for coming